Welcome to the Dating and Relationship Show with Laura Bellotta from singleinthecity.ca on Global News Radio 640 Toronto. Hello, and thank you for joining me on this beautiful Sunday evening for this week's episode of the Dating and Relationship Show on Global News Radio 640 Toronto. I'm your host, Laura Bellotta, matchmaker and founder of singleinthecity.ca, joined by one of my favorite people in the world, philanthropist and media personality, Joan Kelly Walker. Hi, Joan. Hi. Okay. I'm missing you. I miss you. I know, me too. Enough already. I can't believe, like, we are heading into another summer uh, yeah. in a lockdown. Like, it's just insane, but whatever. Yeah. I have to say, uh, I'm hopeful, though. I mean, people are getting vaccinated, which I think is going to help loosen things up. So I'm, I I'm hopeful. Know. I get it, but there are so many people that are not willing to get vaccinated, so I'm not yep, sure what yep, I get that too. Yep. we have in store for our future. But let's stay positive, shall we? So yes. we're over a year into the pandemic, and couples have been through a lot. Whether you live together or not, relationships have definitely faced some challenges that they have never faced before. Now, our guest tonight, couples therapist Mitchell Smolkin, is hoping to ease relationship pains during this time. Mitchell is a certified emotionally focused couples therapist, a registered psychotherapist, uh, published author, and the host of the new podcast, The Dignity of Suffering. Tonight, we're going to look into how the pandemic has affected relationships, how you can strengthen yours, and how to combat pandemic division. Well, thanks for joining us tonight, Mitchell. Thank you so much. Nice to be here. So we're so happy that uh, we have you here tonight. Um, so to start, we would love to hear a little bit more about what you do and why you're emotionally focused when it comes to therapy. What does this mean and why is this what uh, you've chosen to focus on? Well, actually, when I was training as a therapist and doing my internship in Toronto, uh, I had to see couples and I was a young therapist and I didn't feel like where I was in my work really was really supporting them. And I discovered that actually in Ottawa, we teach couples therapists from around the world uh, at the International uh, Institute for Excellence in Emotion-Focused Therapy. And Sue Johnson, who's won the Order of Canada and is kind of a celebrity in the couples world, literally trains uh, therapists for couples around the world all the way from Saudi Arabia to China to South America. And so I always joke that one of Canada's biggest cultural exports is couples therapy. So there's lots of happy couples everywhere around the world because of us Canadians. And the, the research that we do in Canada and now that has spread everywhere really focuses on how our emotional lives drive most of our behaviors. And so when it comes to getting close to having intimacy, all of the research that we've done looking at the neurophysiology of stress and what happens to us when the most important person in our life, our partner, says something that can reach us like nobody else, ways that we can process those emotions, put them into words, and regain intimacy. And so I discovered it when I was in the middle of my training and since made it quite a huge part of my life and what I do. Super important these days like I know it's 
for me and my relationship, not to, you know, to talk too much about that specifically, but, you know, it is a bit of a roller coaster, the way that people have been locked down together and those triggers are magnified. Is that what everybody's finding? Just the triggers are magnified like that? Well, I think your, your, your observation is absolutely right. And, and, you know, I talk about my marriage as well. I think it's good for us to open up and reflect on ourselves. And I think something like a pandemic, uh, which for most of us is the first time, it, it makes things very binary, mean, meaning it, it just it becomes very black and white. You know, usually you have a lot of decisions that you can make, right? You can decide what you want to have for dinner or you can, you know, but when it comes to kind of strict measures that really bring out our value systems, like the pandemic, like you said, it, it is a huge trigger. I think it's an opportunity because we, we can learn about ourselves, but I think it's also good to, to just recognize that it is overwhelming. And uh, another Canadian, Dr. Gabor Mate wrote this op-ed uh, at the beginning of the pandemic. Uh, and he just talked about letting ourselves be sad because it, 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 it does bring up feelings in us that, in our busy lives and those that maybe travel for work or outside of the house, look, in a very good way, we're distracted. You know, that's what life should be in many ways. And so for sure, with, with many couples, it has, you know, brought out, you know, their triggers, but also for many people, it's one of the first times that they've actually been in the same place with someone for this long. <laughs> and, yeah. and that's been a, a huge sure. surprise for them. Yeah. And obviously couples are struggling to connect with each other right now. And this is something that can be hard to recognize and deal with. Why do you think that connection and communication have become so difficult for couples in general? Well, I just think, you know, I always, when a couple walks into my office and they start telling me about aspects of their life, whether it's the stress of their work, whether they moved overseas for a job, whether you know, they have an intrusive family member, you know, or whether it's the pandemic. These are, you know, these are very stressful events in our life. You know, I often think about, you know, a a city, for instance, after a flash flood, you know, when it's sunny outside, nobody's really panicked about the sewer system. But after a flash flood, all of a sudden, the engineers of the city are very nervous to see if things are going to hold. Or, you know, when you buy a house, they often tell you to go you know, look at the basement after it's rained a lot, because what you're looking for, you don't, you know, it's nice if the kitchen looks nice, but if there's humidity in the basement or there's a crack, that's a problem. And that's what happens in our relationships too, that when, when we're under stress or we lose the comforts or the things that, you know, friendships, going to work, being able to, to hug somebody, when those things are taken away from us, you know, like someone's in the hospital, for instance, for a time and they, and they start to feel lonely just under regular times. You know, this, this is the reason that this brings out huge attachment needs and longings in us. And, you know, everyone has a different way that they deal with that. And that's, I think, really what, what couples are having to examine if, if they haven't done so before. Mm-hmm. You said um, uh, just a little bit ago about allowing ourselves to be sad. And you know what? Even that can be stressful because like one person in the relationship might be like uber productive and they're just like not acknowledging the sadness. So it's hard if you're not on the same page about that. Yeah, no, you're it's a great observation, you know, that independently, 
you know, independently, we may have ways that we cope with ourselves. I was literally sitting with a couple today talking about this in my office. And he was extremely courageous and sweet when he kind of recognized and he said something like, you know, this helps me to distract myself from my emotions. But then it clicked for him. And he said, well, I kind of realized that for our relationship, it may not be so beneficial. So, you know, we may all have strategies to bury ourselves in work or to want to go lie down or read a book. But what we might get into today is that a lot of the things that we normally do to help ourselves feel better they can tend to be antisocial, right? Sort of, you know, working a lot or reading a book, those may be things that bring us pleasure, but they can also be ways that we uh, pull away from relationship. And that's, that, that gets very sticky in relationships for sure. And I also know that when we're stressed, our listening skills tend to break down um, and it can be difficult to see past our own thoughts and views. Uh, I think that we should be trying to understand our partner's point of view by trying to understand why they're acting the way that they are and not placing judgment. So maybe instead of overreacting and coming out of your, you know, coming at your spouse and, and like with fire, like maybe ask more questions and explore the why behind their actions and feelings. How do you feel about that? Yes. Well, you know, I was thinking about that before speaking with you today, and I know that a lot of people are listening, and we often, you know, I think all of us, when we get upset and overwhelmed, you come home from a long day, and you're tired, and like you said, you know, right, you know that feeling when you don't have any bandwidth left. You know, you know when someone's talking to you sometimes, and you're like, I just I have like to lie down. Today, actually. I, <laughs> right. I'm not, not for so, other reasons, but yeah, okay, <laughs> yes, I do. Sorry, go ahead. So what I would love your listeners to know when they go to sleep tonight is that you are normal for having moments where you just can't hear somebody else and you don't have the bandwidth to respond or have empathy. These are normal oscillations in all of our lives. Every couple goes through it. I tend to call it the perfect storm. You know, when two people are really busy, I remember... I remember once going to the bedroom in my house and I, I needed my wife's support and I literally opened the door and I think I shared what was going on and she looked at me and she goes, well, how do you think I feel? And I just turned around and I'm like, okay, I don't think tonight's the night for us to talk about this. Yeah. But what we have to do is we have to come back. We have to come back when we slept, when there's a moment, that, that is really what, that is what gets couples in trouble. So, so the way the brain works, like you pointed out, is that when we're stressed, we can't, we, we, we literally, our brain goes into all these kinds of antisocial uh, mechanisms. Our earlobes shrink, our mind starts to actually hear things in black and white, as in when you say to someone, oh, you're always like this, or this is always how I feel. And those are indications that we're tired and overwhelmed and we just can't talk about something. And so the front of our brain, you hear about the cortex a lot. That's what makes us human beings, where we have this big neocortex. And that allows us to make art, to sing, to do all these things. And that's what intimacy is. So these, these issues, when as a perfect storm, are just opportunities for us to learn where we break and then we have to come back and talk about it. And that really is the seed of intimacy when, when, we, when, we, when we can be present and grounded. I love all this. Thank you so much for being here. We're going to talk about ways to strengthen our relationship during the pandemic when we come back. Don't go anywhere. This is a very important conversation. 
Now back to the Dating and Relationship Show with Laura Bilotta from singleinthecity.ca on Global News Radio, 640 Toronto. It's Sunday night. You're listening to the Dating and Relationship Show on Global News Radio, 640 Toronto. I'm Laura Bellotta with Joan Kelly Walker and our guest, Mitchell Smolkin, discussing the effects that the pandemic has had on relationships. Let's get back at it. Now, I can also see uh, a lot of couples arguing over different views and maybe, um, you know, views that have to do with their children, how they view the severity of the virus, um, vaccinations, etc. Finding common ground is so important. How do you think that they can begin to do this? How can they find common ground? Yeah, it is a phenomenal question, and it is something that I have seen in the people I work with. It's something my wife and I have negotiated. And the first thing that comes to mind, and people don't like to hear this, but I, I do think it takes some time. I do think that when we enter into a new situation, such as the pandemic, and as you're saying, it brings out our value systems, which sometimes align, and that's great, and sometimes they don't, I think it's important to take a deep breath and, again, recognize that this is normal, that it's very difficult, right? Like having different politics in a relationship and trying to find common ground, you know, brings up a lot of anxiety, right? This is your partner, and if you really see things differently, especially around getting vaccinated or or an issue like that, that can be tough. And what I've seen that has really helped is that it needs to be some kind of bridge between, on the one hand, honoring yourself and honoring how you feel, but at some point we have to realize that there is really no truth. You know, if we're stuck on the idea that I am right and you are wrong, that that if that goes on for too long, can be very toxic. And so there are other things we could talk about, but I would just suggest in the beginning to, to realize that it might, it might take some time and be uncomfortable to let in some room for somebody else's perspective, but it's definitely not an easy conversation, that's for sure. Hmm. That is such a good point. I love that perspective. And you know what I do sometimes is like I will actually say to my husband or my kids or something like, I don't care what you really think. Here's what I need to hear right now just to give me sort of uh, confidence, I think. And then it sort of starts talking about it and then it comes out and, you know, I feel like I'm more receptive. Is that just weird that I do that or is that actually something people can do? Like, you know, because... We are vulnerable and we are sensitive. Yeah. You know, it's, it's, I was writing about this yesterday. I was writing an article. And, and some people in couples therapy will, will often say something like, um, well, it doesn't feel very organic for me to, uh, like, hold your hand when you're crying. Or that's not natural for me, like you just said, to just maybe tell you in that moment that, that I love you or that you're right. And, and, you know, everyone's like, oh, we want to always feel natural. And I think to myself, well, hold on a second here. How else is it going to work if you're going to learn about somebody else in the course of your relationship and potentially do things that make you uncomfortable for them, right? That's not unnatural if I learn that when you feel a certain way, you know, it helps you if I do something that maybe goes against my instinct, right? That for me is actually love and intimacy. And I'm not saying it's easy. I'm not saying I always do it. But when we sit back and, and think about when the, when the honeymoon period ends in our relationship and we really, like in the pandemic, 
really get to know what somebody needs, then of course sometimes it's going to feel unnatural to do something. If we don't ask for what we need, like what you're saying is that you just come out and say it. If we don't ask for what we need, (laughs) that can get into trouble. Isn't it confusing? Like sometimes I feel like I'm so kind of in it that I, it's hard to get clarity of what I need or what I need to ask for or what I'm trying to convey. Like, why am I upset? I don't know. It's probably stupid for me to be upset and it's probably a small point. So why did I even take ownership of it? Like, those are the small struggles I think we all have. There's an amazing uh, trick, and and I think it's it's helpful for all of us. And frankly, it's even taken pressure off of me as a couples therapist when I'm in the middle of a situation with a couple and I really don't know what to do or where to go. And I try to model that whenever I'm aware enough to do it, which is to say, you know what? I don't know how to help you right now, or I don't know where I should go with this. And, and something that I think about a lot is that we need to stay within ourselves. So if you're confused, if you can't put language to a feeling, it is actually enough to say that. I don't think we have to panic and be like, oh, I don't, I'm not clear right now. It's enough to say, you know, I know I'm feeling something. I know I'm upset. I can feel it in my chest, right? With people who aren't really good with vocabulary when it comes to emotion, often we start with the body, right? Sometimes people don't even know they're crying when they're crying because maybe in their life, there's a reason they had to disconnect from that. And a lot of us, you know, as we get older, have to learn, have a lexicon, like learning the piano, you know, to play more sophisticated music. And so I just say, take the pressure off. Don't, don't feel bad. And, and dare I say this, a lot of men (laughs) don't (laughs) often know how to talk about their feeling. And I'm sorry to get into gender. I never used to see it, to be honest, before, but I think in certain cultures, you know, we just weren't trained to to identify things. And and it's enough. It's enough to just say to someone, I don't know. I'm confused. I feel something in my chest. Maybe it's sadness. But these little things can go a long way by just trying our best to to find some language. I, I love that. And with all the stress that we're enduring, you know, not being able to live our lives normally, frustrated with this entire situation. We can't travel. Uh, You know, some people are struggling with homeschooling for their kids, Um, just being in close quarters all the time. I mean, it all adds up. So what are some of the ways that we can strengthen our relationship despite these things? Yeah, it's it's a great question. And, you know, I think that, like I was using the metaphor of playing the piano earlier, and it's for some of us, it's like, you know, your, your relationship goes from happy birthday to Beethoven overnight, <laughs> right? You know, you go from having to juggle two balls in the air to like you're saying, you know, being in a very close space. I've seen a lot of couples, you know, even if they've moved, just, just this was the thing that sort of motivated them to move to just have more space with each other. I know many people can't do that. And so I appreciate that. I think that what we know from actually research into emotion is that emotions on their own are not scary. Negative emotions on their own are not scary. When it becomes scary is if A, we can't do anything about it. So if I can't act on my emotion and B, if I feel alone with them. And so I don't actually think there are any sort of quick tips for for what it means if you find yourself kind of overwhelmed 
and, and your children are at home and you don't have any space. But what I think that is really important is to be curious about that experience. You know, to try to slow down and try to even list. We do in couples therapy something called parts work, which is just to name all the different parts of what's maybe causing you to feel overwhelmed or feel sad. And in neurology, there's this term which is called name it to tame it. You can literally watch the amygdala, the fear center in the brain. When you give something language, actually start to slow down. And so if you have all these pieces, and this relates to relationships, right? Because on some level, we have to find some way to communicate what we're going through in order to have a relationship, right? That's where often relationships break down, where there's silence or somebody withdraws. And one of the first things we can do is name it. Oh, I'm, I'm overwhelmed because of this. I'm sad because I can't see so-and-so. I'm scared because maybe I'm worried about the children's educational development. I'm lonely because we haven't been able to have a date. And, you know, I watch people in my office when you just, when you slow down the kind of frantic energy that we all feel when we're overwhelmed and you just frame it, like putting scaffolding around a beautiful building. I think there's a dignity in that, right? Because it just, it, we're so quick to think something's wrong with us when we feel off. You know, all of us feel that. And if we can take a step back and just say, look, I'm like, you know, this beautiful flower in this garden with all these different colors. I was walking at my office today seeing that, you know, if we can just, if we can just look at all the different colors and imagine that we are like that and give each parts of us this dignity, then maybe we can approach our partner in a less stressed out way, in a way where they can see us more three-dimensionally. But it's definitely overwhelming. So it's a great, it's a great point. So can I just go a little further into that? You said name the parts. So my, in, for me to do this exercise, am I naming the parts of the different emotions that I'm feeling? Yes. Yes, exactly. So I'm yeah, overwhelmed often... because, or I'm feeling anxious because. Hmm. Yeah, you want to go and really just start to develop, you know, there's an American neurologist named Stephen Porges. It's called interoception. It means to have an interior perception of what we're going through. You know, and as you pointed out before, when we become stressed and we're afraid, we lose, we lose that connection with ourselves because we go into fight or flight. And so what we often have to do is come back and discreetly name parts of ourselves. I, I didn't like that email I got from work today. Oh, that's part of it. Oh, I'm excited to finally give my mother a hug. That's part of it. Because when we're, when we're trying to carry complicated emotions, we, we short circuit a little bit. You know, we, we lose sight of the fact that we can feel many complicated emotions at once. It's just, it's just, it just takes more bandwidth. It's like having many different windows open on your computer and eventually it's like, nope, you're done. Sorry, that's enough. And so, you know, we're, we're the same way, right? We can only hold so many windows open at once, but if we can just see them, that can often just start to make us feel less afraid because it's a bit less mysterious. You know, nobody, nobody likes the feeling of not knowing why they feel a certain way, right? So that, that's, that's kind of what I mean. So just for for my own purposes, to do this, do you suggest doing it like a journal and writing a list or just writing it and pouring out your emotions or just acknowledging it in your own brain? Like what's the best way to name all the parts? You know, I think everyone, 
you know, needs to find something that works for them. You know, someone might really find the act of journaling and writing it down to be very helpful. You know, somebody else might like to go for a walk or a run. I know for me, sometimes when I'm running, you know, just the combination of, of getting some exercise allows me to then, like, things kind of soften a little bit and I'm a bit clearer. I feel the same. You know, yeah, me too. Yeah. Or an internal, sometimes I'll just be like, oh, why, where did that, I wasn't anxious before, like, where did that come from? And it can be a more subtle internal dialogue, but I think just the intention is important, you know, that we make the time in whatever way that we feel uh, works for us. Thank you. We need to take a break. Uh, We're going to discuss how to reconnect with your partner during the pandemic when we come back. Now back to the Dating and Relationship Show with Laura Bellotta from singleinthecity.ca on Global News Radio, 640 Toronto. Welcome back to the Dating and Relationship Show on Global News Radio, 640 Toronto. I'm Laura Bellotta with Joan Kelly Walker, and our special guest tonight is Mitchell Smolkin. Um, let's get back to our discussion about how to reconnect with your partner during the pandemic. Um, before the break, um, Mitchell was just giving us some um, uh, tips on how to strengthen our relationships despite, you know, everything going on right now. I'd love to hear from you, Joan. How are you keeping your relationship strong right now? Mm-hmm. You know, uh, my husband's very private, so, you know, I have to sort of tread a bit delicately here because I do have the utmost respect for him and I think that's you know I think for us we remember why we love each other we remember why we're together so like if all hell breaks loose and we're upset at each other about something that never takes precedent over the baseline of strength that we have so I think that's really important and you know like everybody sometimes sometimes it's hard like sometimes I feel like he's challenging me and he probably doesn't mean to be challenging me and I'm not communicating that um but you know these tips and and naming the parts I something I'm definitely going to do and I think it's just like being really honest with yourself and voicing things like you said it's okay to say I don't know you know, I don't, I don't know right now. It's okay. I'm feeling something, but I can't really, uh, I can't really pinpoint it. I think those are really important tools. And I think I've sort of been doing that without consciously been thinking about it. So um, that's what's happening in our house. Amazing mm-hmm. tips. Amazing <laughs> tips. And okay. So with the lockdown and restrictions, uh, okay. With, so with the lockdowns and restrictions, making it Difficult to get out of the house. Oh, I'm over it, guys. I am so over it. <laughs> try being single. Yeah, try being single with an old dog for the last year. Are we going on a year and a half or something? It's starting to really get to me. I think in the winter it doesn't. It hasn't bothered me so much, but now that the summer's coming and I feel like it's so nice out and like people are so afraid to get together. Ah, I just feel. I'm like, I feel a little lost, to be honest, right? Mm-hmm. It's like at some point, like, I can understand why people's relationships are, are, are struggling and uh, people are just down and feeling sad, and I'm I'm just feeling it right now. So um, 
All right, so date nights, right? They seem to have become much fewer and far between. So how do you think couples can get past those typical date nights so uh, that they can fully reconnect? Like what are some of the things that uh, you think that they should try? Well, I've just heard some great things in this conversation, right? I heard conversations about the backbone of trust that, that, you know, some couples have in their relationship. And you spoke about just feeling lost and helpless. And I don't, <laughs> I don't want anybody listening who, who, you know, maybe is struggling to, to connect or maybe date night at home has maybe just lost, <laughs> you know, lost its spark in some ways. And, and, and so I think we just have to stay, take a step back and just recognize that, that, yeah, the, the fatigue and feeling lost, those are very difficult emotions for human beings, right? We don't, we, we pride ourselves on having solutions, taking action. And I think that the couples, hopefully, if there is trust, can, can make some meaning out of that together. And I guess what I mean is, you know, we start to feel kind of alone in relationships. I can't tell you how many times when I've helped couples reconnect. Someone, what they say, actually, when their partner leans on them is, oh, that feels so relieving. Like, I thought I was crazy for feeling that way. Or, I, you know, it feels so good to feel acknowledged by you. And I guess where I'm going with this is that I don't want anybody who's listening to feel alienated if, if we sort of give tips in terms of how to spend time together. If maybe you haven't felt seen recently in the relationship, because then if you get close to someone that maybe you didn't, feel was sort of seeing you lately, that, that can bring up, you know, anxiety or, or maybe, maybe increase your loneliness. So I guess what I'm suggesting is that, you know, as we come out of the pandemic and, and as we can look forward to things returning to quasi-normal, you know, make an effort to try to name these things together. You know, I, I once went uh, on a date with my wife on St. Clair, and this is a story I tell all the time, and we hadn't been out forever, pre-pandemic. And you know, I sit down for, for dinner and I say to her, you know, oh, there's some things I wanted to kind of talk to you about. And she looks at me and she says, you know, if you think our first date out in however many months is talking about a relationship, she's like, that's not my idea of a fun date. And so, you know, we all have kind of different, you know, bandwidths or what we think a fun time is. Maybe a couple of therapists like talking about the relationship, but maybe others don't. And so I know I'm not giving direct advice except to say that, you know, when you do make time and maybe it's not as exciting as you need it or want it to be, it's the quality of the connection. It's the quality of the connection that is going to dictate the quality of the time, you know? And so that's something I think we have to work hard at. And then if we continue to have to do more, you know, banal things at home, at the very minimum, we won't be feeling more alone, which maybe can just bring us some connection until we can, you know, do things that, that, that get us a little bit more excited. Yeah. So, you know, it just occurs to me that as we do this return to normal, I think there's a lot of people still sort of wondering, like, now what? Like, is it normal? Am I where I want to be? Like, people have been waiting, like, okay, I have to be patient. I have to be calm. And now things are, things are shifted as we return to, quote, unquote, normal. So, you know, that's just another aspect of it that, that, you know, it further complicates things for people, I think. Yeah, I agree with you. You know, and not to the swift go the race. You know, my wife and I were already talking about some plans we want to make, and I'm always the one that wants to make five or ten, and she, you know, wants to make one. And 
I think, frankly, the pandemic has helped us just slow down and, and, and respect the different places we come from. We need to take a break, but we will discuss this when we come back, getting back to normal after the pandemic, right after this break. Show with Laura Bellotta from singleinthecity.ca on Global News Radio 640 Toronto. We are back. This is the Dating and Relationship Show on Global News Radio 640 Toronto. It's Sunday night. I'm Laura Bellotta with Joan Kelly Walker and tonight's guest, Mitchell Smolkin, talking about how to strengthen relationships during the pandemic. Let's get back at it. All right, before the break, we were talking about uh, how to get back to normal after the pandemic. So do you want to continue your, um, the conversation around that? Go ahead, Mitchell. Yeah, so I think that as you were pointing out, and I recently did another interview where we were talking about how extroverts and introverts are going to have a very different idea of what the new normal looks like. And, you know, many, many introverts really liked having permission to not do a lot and to stay at home and to have their partners home who were always traveling. And so I think you're right to point out that this is going to sort of, you know, reintroduce us into maybe our natural state of those of us that like being more social and those of us that like being more at home. And, and I was just sharing that in, in, in my own marriage, we, we already started having some of these conversations. And I personally found that having gone through sort of having to listen more to our differences, you know, it sensitized me. But I'll always tell the couples that are listening if, you know, if this has caused you distressed or you feel like it's eroded the trust, you know, couples therapy is amazing these days and it really does help people talk. And just like you want to have a good fire alarm in your kitchen that goes off when something's wrong, we, we certainly have to listen to them in our relationships. And so that, that's what I would say. What if one person wants to go to therapy and the other one doesn't? Oh, I had, I was going to ask the same question. <laughs> <laughs> Two great minds think alike. All right. Yeah. That's that's a good one. I mean, I um, I think that if somebody is really feeling alone in their relationship and and they know that if they don't have a safe space to talk about it, then they just have to do everything they can to bring their partner there. I mean, that's I think that at that stage, if it's come to that stage, then you you need to do it or you go on your own. It's not. I think for couples, it's not as effective going on one's own, but certainly we can learn how to process what we're going through and maybe make a different contribution. But that, that is very hard, for sure. Now, how about, uh, you know, the couples that are struggling with the relationships right now? Um, how can they, you know, bring up what they're going through and address this with their partner? So, you know, I always advocate that, when we go into a conversation, especially if it's a difficult one, usually we're all carrying with us anticipation, fears, maybe there's history there of how conversations have gone before. 
And all of that anticipatory anxiety, right, all the things we're telling ourselves, oh, they're just going to shut down or get defensive, that has a, an effect on our own physiology. So even if one is passionate or why aren't you listening to me or, I, you, know, we, you know, this is important, what I always say and what I try to practice is that we have to first name our fears. When you go into any conversation that's difficult, we're just too smart, right? We're too, we know you hear, you know, if you call Rogers about your phone bill or something and you know the person's tired, you, you hear it right away. You know, you always, you can pick up on these signals. And so in conversations, I will say something like, look, I know this conversation makes you nervous. I'm worried that I'm going to hurt you but this is important to me. And even just sort of naming what I call the front of the system. So the, let's not skip over our fears. Let's actually bring them into the conversation to ground ourselves and sort of telegraph for our partner that we're coming from a vulnerable place and that we're safe. But I will say that some people really have a hard time talking about their emotions. And so I know that for a lot of people listening, once it becomes uncomfortable, the temperature goes up. It's just, it's really hard to think. And I, I have a lot of respect for you. You know, just another comment, observation, it's really nice to be heard. Like you have to feel like you're being heard. No matter no matter what it is, you want to feel like the other person is is listening and understanding, no matter how small of an issue it is. And I think a, a lot of people lose track of that because we're all sort of like, you know, you get into this routine during a pandemic and you're together all the time and you do this role and I do this role and, and those little things sort of go unnoticed. But it's the small things that really, uh, you know, they pump you up and they make you feel good. So, you know, that would be the one thing that I would suggest. Yeah, and it, it reminded me that so many couples that come to see me, actually, they think of it as like their date night. Like they'll say that, right? They'll be like, oh, this is the hour and... 15 minutes that we really focus on ourselves. And I think there's something to that when, like you said, you are so busy and you have so many things going on. It's really hard at the end of the day to carve out time to talk. And so I think you're absolutely right that it is important to try to wrestle that time because it doesn't go away, you know, not the feeling of not feeling seen for sure. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And one more quick question, like we have maybe 30 seconds. What are some of the things that we can learn from the experiences that we've gone through uh, over this past year? How do you think that this is going to affect relationships in the future? Well, I think it's humbled a lot of us, you know. I think, you know, my generation and others who haven't been through something like this often heard these stories from our grandparents or our parents of times that, you know, being under duress and, they're talking in the States about the roaring 20s coming back after the pandemic. And I think it's just humbling to know that, that uh, life can change very quickly and we have to just be prepared for that. Thank you so much for joining us tonight. I hope um, if you feel like your relationship has fallen upon some new struggles um, over the past year, you're not alone. And I hope that tonight's show can help you with this. How can people get a hold of you, Mitchell? You can reach me at mitchellsmolkin.com. I'm on Instagram. I am Mitchell Smolkin. And my podcast, as you mentioned, is The Dignity of Suffering. Please join me there. And thank you so much for having me on. Of course. And Joan, where can we get a hold of you? Instagram, Joan Kelly Walker Official, or my website, joankellywalker.com. And you can get a hold of me at official Laura Bellotta on Instagram, Laura Bellotta on Clubhouse. 
Um, and you can uh, check out my website, singleinthecity.ca. Well, thank you, everybody, for tuning in, and see you next week. Ciao for now.